Hello, my beautiful friends. I am Laurel Bleeden Maffei with Illuminating Souls, welcoming you to this episode of Sleepy Bedtime Blessings, a podcast designed to help you rest, relax, and fall asleep, all while deepening in your connection with your beautiful team of angels who love you so. If we're meeting for the first time, I am an angelic practitioner, a spiritual teacher, and an encourager of souls. And it is my absolute delight to support you on your path of light. My offerings include one-on-one angel sessions, which take place over the phone. I also offer soul mentoring, which allows for an extended time of support as you move through change or growth or transformation in your life. And I also offer a variety of classes designed to inspire your spirit and help you come into heart-centered community. I'm so blessed that my classes attract the loveliest people. They're typically small in size, anywhere between four and eight people. And so if you're seeking a beautiful group that you can join that will keep you inspired that will help you steep in the love of the angels, I invite you to come over to my website at illuminatingsouls.com and sign up for my mailing list, and then you will be apprised of whatever I have coming up. But for now, the angels and I are here to help you come into a lovely place of rest. Initially, I designed this as a sleep podcast because I listen to a sleep podcast every night to help me fall asleep, and I've been doing this for years. And when I was inspired to make this podcast, it's because I wanted to add to the inventory that was out there that I love having a variety of options to listen to when I fall asleep, and I thought, well, I want to add my voice to the beautiful voices that are already out here, lulling people to sleep. What I hadn't factored in was that most of my audience had never heard of a sleep podcast before. And so when I came out with this podcast idea, I think much of the Illuminating Souls audience thought, what on earth is this? (laughs) So I've, I've, I've helped teach you as we go. And I know many of you do use this now as a sleep podcast, while others of you listen during your waking hours. And I get to keep you company as you go on your walk or commute to work or work in your, in your office or whatever it is you do. So however you are choosing to listen, it is my honor and blessing to be here with you. If you are going to use it for sleep, I have a few suggestions for you. 
When I listen to a sleep podcast, I turn the volume down lower than I would if I were listening to an audiobook. Because when I listen to an audiobook, I want to pay attention to everything <laughs> versus when I listen to a sleep podcast, I want it to be able to drift off into the background. And so I turn the volume down low and I snuggle up in bed. And I use earbuds, which don't bother me to fall asleep with them. And I always find them the next morning. And usually within 20 minutes, I am off into that beautiful mystery of sleep. And I don't know if you can hear the birds as I record this. It is early morning. It looks like it's going to be a gorgeous day here. The sky is already blue and I'm seeing so many different shades of green out my window from the trees and the vines. And it's a feast for the senses. And so I just share this beauty with you. So grateful for our time together. So the way this episode is designed will have anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes of this first part, which is usually me waxing poetic about a spiritual theme and I bring the angels in for you. And then the second part is our story time. And story time can be stories from my life. I might read to you from something in the public domain. It can be a blend of all of the above but nothing too compelling so that you will feel obligated to listen for the whole episode. But the episode will run about an hour, so you have plenty of time. So I invite you to take a nice deep breath in and let that out. Just allowing the beauty of this moment to flow to you as the angels gently bring their loving energy to you. You are precious in this world. You are born of the breath of God. You carry wisdom and magic in your heart. And this world is better because you are here. And I can appreciate how easy it is to feel lost sometimes or to feel as if you are somehow out of sorts, overwhelmed, off kilter, whatever word you want to use for that. And I just want you to know we all feel that way sometimes. And so just take a deep breath in, allowing the angels to bring to you soothing, healing energy to help you remember who you are as a divine being in human form. This morning I have been contemplating self-compassion. You know, we are beings who have grown into a level of self-awareness 
And this self-awareness is really a blessing. It can be profoundly inspiring. But it is also quite daunting because this self-awareness can cause us to go into spasms of judgment about ourselves. That we're not doing enough. That we're not being enough. Whatever that bucket is that is supposed to be filled just the right way. There are times that we feel that we are not meeting our ideal of who we think we're supposed to be or how we are supposed to be in this world. And the judgment filters in. And I wish we were taught more about self-compassion. Because the truth is, we are learning and growing every day that life is not just one continuous straight line. It is loops. It's backtracking. It whirls around and we get disoriented and then we find our way again. It ebbs and flows and changes form and we change form with it. So the angels and I invite you to take a deep breath in and allow yourself to breathe in compassion for yourself. We may not know each other personally, but I promise you, I know that you are courageous. I know that you have already brought into the light experiences from your life that you have been willing to heal and look at and shift and transform. I know you have a beautiful heart. And I know you are a blessing in this world. So take another breath in. And allow yourself to connect with the true beauty of your spirit. Your true spirit that is whole and complete. That is filled with wonder. And light and goodness. And with this next breath, I will call the angels in. They are already here, but I love the ritual of sharing them with you. So let's take another deep breath in together and release. And beautiful angels on high, I invite you to join us here. And angels, I ask that you bring waves of comfort of love, of understanding, and of compassion for each of our beloveds here and now. Angels infuse us with divine light to help us come in to our wholeness, connecting with our greater spirit feeling the brightness and the beauty of the divine as it breathes 
and embodies us in this life, that we are the embodiment of the light and of the goodness. And just take a beautiful breath in as the angels bring healing, soothing, light-filled energy to you. And there is so much love flowing through for you right now. The angels know what is transpiring in your life. And they are here to support you. And the angels want you to know that you are such a beautiful being. You are a blessing. You are filled with love. You are a bringer of light. And just breathe in. right now divine light is flowing through you and for you and this light is rippling to all that is in your heart this light is rippling to all that you love and all who love you this light is rippling throughout your timeline to your past to this moment and to your future endeavors. This light is not bound by time or space. So allow this light to travel throughout your consciousness, throughout your lifeline. And there is such beauty here for you. Please do not allow your judgments of self to get in the way of you being a part of the beauty of this world. And beauty just does not mean external beauty in the way that humanity has labeled a small subset of appeal. Beauty is multidimensional. It is a life force. It is an expression of the vibrant, pure potential that is our lifetime. Beauty is the way you laugh when something's really funny. Beauty is the way you snuggle up with your animals and you comfort each other. Beauty is the way you hold the door open for someone as you are going into a store. Beauty is the way you feel deeply 
or something that is transpiring for people you do not even know. Beauty is you. You are exquisite. You are wondrous. I don't know if this will um, come through on the recording, but can you hear that bird in the background? It's rather faint. It might not be coming across, but I love the way these birds sing their song. It is, it is something that always touches my heart so. And so I also share this light with you now. That there's a song in you too. Your consciousness, your loving presence, your wisdom, your joy. You are the embodiment of light. So take a nice deep breath in and allow the love of your angels to wash through you, giving your worries and fears to the angels letting them carry them for you so that they can help transform them. And just breathe in, receiving the love that is here for you. And if you are preparing for sleep, allowing your body to relax and grow heavier as your consciousness grows lighter, that this is your time to rest and replenish. This is a time to restore. This is a time to get to drift off into that beautiful mystery of sleep. And my hope for you is that you have the sweetest of dreams. And that when it is time for you to come out of your sleep cycle, that you awaken feeling replenished and restored. And my hope is while you sleep, that soul whispers and sparks of inspiration find you so that in the coming days it becomes easier for you to navigate the circumstances of your life. I am so deeply grateful for the gift of you and I am so grateful for this time together. So remember my friend, self-compassion, <laughs> love yourself well. You're doing so much better than you give yourself credit for. Self-compassion is the elixir of the moment. Sometimes when I'm focusing on self-compassion, I put my hand over my heart and I just say, Oh, God bless your heart. God bless my heart. God bless me. God bless my heart. I am doing the best that I can. And I remember to breathe in that love. So I invite you to do the same. God bless your heart. <laughs> God bless you. 
a little bit of self-compassion goes a long, long way. Helps to clear out the judgments and the harsh edges that we sometimes wield against ourselves. Because right now, the angels are saying a prayer of gratitude for you. They're here to help you remember who you are as a divine being in human form. And in this moment, I thank God for the gift of you. I am so grateful that I get to shine love on you right now. I get to love you up. That's a term that my husband and I often use about this work. At the end of the day, we just want to love you up. We want to love you up so that you remember you are worthy of celebration, that you are worthy of goodness and light and love and, yes, compassion. So you just breathe on in, and if you are in bed already, to cozy on up and snuggle on in, pulling the covers up just so, And while you get ready to drift off or whatever you are doing, I am going to segue on in to story time for you. So I don't know if you've spent much time in Google Books, but I am enchanted with Google Books. So I don't know if you know how public domain works, at least here in the U.S., Right now, anything that was published in 1927 or earlier is in the public domain. And Google has this initiative where they scan books and magazines and pamphlets and they're available for free. You just go into Google Books and you type in what you're looking for. And there's also a part of the tools where you can set the time frame So I have spent hours and hours on Google Books looking for different things that I can share with you on this podcast. And one of my favorite things to come across are the old magazines because they really give a reflection of what was happening at the time. And the one I'm going to share with you in this episode is Town and Country Magazine from 1921. So I'm not terribly familiar with town and country. I was never their demographic, certainly in my lifetime. My perception, it it is for the wealthy country club set, which I am not a part of. And judging from the magazine in 1921, it seems that that has always been the case. But I'm enchanted by the real estate listings and the ads. And so I'm going to virtually flip through the pages, which are not real paper because I'm using it on my iPad. But let's see what we can discover together. Well, the first big ad is for a car. It says the car with a reputation, the HCS Motor Car Company of Indianapolis, USA. I've never heard of that company before. And then we are followed up by Tiffany and Company, which I have heard of the little, right, we've heard of that before, the little turquoise box. 
wedding invitations and marriage announcements, prompt attention given to mail inquiries. And then we get to my favorite section, which is the real estate section. Not all of these have a price on them, but I'm still going to read them because I'm fascinated by how big these estates are. So this first one, it's a fairly big spread. It's in Connecticut. It says a charming country home for sale. Round Hill section of Greenwich, Connecticut, within easy motoring distance of New York, adjoining, adjoining, easy for me to say. I'm laughing because this is now the second time I have recorded this segment because I keep pronouncing adjoining wrong. So let's try that again. Adjoining many prominent private estates. This unusual colonial residence, extremely homelike and delightfully planned, contains all the modern appointments and conveniences essential for an all-year country home. Its arrangement is adequately suited to a small family as well as large, and its modern service equipment assures easy housekeeping. Contains spacious rooms with baths, servants' quarters, sleeping porches, numerous fireplaces, hardwood floors, excellent heating plant and plumbing, and electricity. I just really appreciate how it says that it is um, assures easy housekeeping because I'm pretty sure that the owners of this house did none of the housekeeping and they had a staff that did it. So I don't know. I just had to put that in there. Many of the attractive furnishings, including hangings and rugs, complete fireplace sets, etc., may be purchased by independent agreement. Grounds of 155 acres. <laughs> so let me just say that again. Grounds of 155 acres include private lake, ice houses, children's playhouse, a complete dwelling in itself two farmer's cottages, etc. Possession about May 15th, 1921. That just, I wasn't alive then, but May 15th is my birthday. I don't know why I thought you had to know that. Property restricted against sanitariums and hospitals. It's huge, you guys. I wish you could see it. It's huge. And then there's a bunch of smaller listings also in Greenwich. So magnificent hilltop covering almost two acres house, barn, cottage, fine trees, gardens, and view. The price is $10,000. An attractive frame house, nine rooms, two baths, garage with quarters, three acres, large trees and gardens near station, price is $20,000. So we're going up as we go through this ad. So let me just skip to the last one in this particular listing. Perfect Elizabethan house, six bedrooms, three baths, four servants' rooms and bath, garage with quarters, bathing rights. The price is $65,000. Okay, this next one is fascinating. It is in Westchester County, just north of White Plains. So Westchester County is a county that is north of Manhattan, in New York, and I have a relationship with it because I lived there for a year in Terrytown, and it's where a lot of the old money used to go. 
That's where they might have a summer house and they were enormous estates. Some of them still exist. So this one is for Rockmore. I don't know if that still exists or not. In North Castle, six miles north of White Plains. So 107 acres, which is a lot of land, 107 acres of picturesque grounds commanding an extensive view of the Kensico Lakes and the surrounding country. Main house, lodge, garage, superintendent's house, barn, ice house, powerhouse, etc. There is a 10-acre lake on the property, vegetable and flower gardens, apple orchard, nut trees, three artesian wells, and an abundance of shade trees. The main house has eight master bedrooms and five baths, reception hall, library and living room, solarium, dining and breakfast rooms, kitchen, pantry, laundry, sleeping porches, (laughs) because you would want a good sleeping porch. I don't know what a sleeping porch is, but you have multiples because you have sleeping porches, five servants' bedrooms, and two baths, extra lavatories, unusual large and well-built closets throughout. So this property recently completed at a cost of $375,000. It is now offered for sale. And I'm sure that was a whole lot of money back then. I'm not going to do the calculations, but I'm sure that that was a lot. And here is a farm in Katona, New York, offered at a great sacrifice to close a state. This magnificent farm estate situated in the most attractive section of Westchester's beautiful hill country, within easy commuting distance of New York, is undoubtedly one of the best bargains of the season. It consists of a beautiful colonial house, seven master's rooms and four baths, five servants' rooms and bath, and sleeping porch. Again, with the sleeping porch, I should look that up. (laughs) 70 acres, two-thirds hay and other crops, balance orchards and woodlands, landscaped gardens, fine trees and shrubs, garage for several cars, living quarters, gardener's cottage, seven rooms and all necessary farm buildings, ice house, large cow barn, horse stables, chicken houses, etc. They don't tell us how much it is, but it sounds delightful. Okay, and I did have to go look up sleeping porches because I'm not familiar with that concept, and Wikipedia says, A sleeping porch is a deck or balcony, sometimes screened or otherwise enclosed with screened windows, and furnished for sleeping in warmer months. They can be on the ground level or on a higher story and on any side of the home. Well, that makes sense. I know from living there in the summer months, it would get hot and humid. So I can appreciate in the time before air conditioning that a sleeping porch would likely have been of great comfort in terms of trying to sleep at night. An appropriate conversation for a sleep podcast, wouldn't you say? And I also just want to give out 
um, a shout of gratitude that in this incarnation, I happen to incarnate during a time when air conditioning is a thing. <laughs> because I love air conditioning when it's hot out. So I'm very grateful for it. Okay, but we'll continue. How about an island? Would you perhaps like your own island? Because in 1921, if you were a gazillionaire, Bell Island is for sale. The beautiful Thousand Island home. It probably has no um, relation to the dressing, but I love Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> I can spin anything into a food reference, in case you're wondering. The beautiful Thousand Island home of Alex R. Peacock, now being offered for sale or rental. Situated in Alexandria Bay, New York, this is one of the most beautifully situated and attractively furnished residences in the Thousand Islands. Within five minutes of golf course, yacht club, and the town of Alexandria Bay. But it doesn't tell us how much it is. Then there is an enormous house for sale in Huntington, Long Island. It doesn't give the price, but, but again, if I'm looking at these ads back in 1921, because I'm real estate shopping, I'm probably not all that concerned with price because I can afford it. For sale, small, a small high-class estate. I love that. It's, and it's probably just only 20 acres or something like that. A small high-class estate in Restricted Park on North Shore. Okay, so first warning bells. Restricted. That is their way of saying that people who are not, um, well, people like me couldn't come in. <laughs> Being Jewish, I would not be allowed there. So that would get scratched off my list. But, but it is a reflection of the time. A small high-class estate in Restricted Park on North Shore. Complete modern attractive residence, 14 rooms and 5 baths. Gardener's house, five rooms and bath, garage for three cars, and housekeeping apartment for chauffeur. Chauffeur, easy for me to say. Stable for three horses. Greenhouse, U-bar, construction with potting house. Poultry house, extensive pergola and tennis court. Landscaping of high order with wealth of evergreens, deciduous trees, plants, and fruits. Golf and boat clubs nearby with beach rights. Furnishings complete, including goodly number of choice paintings and works of art. Price about half replacement cost. Would accept in part payment for a small place in California. You can do a trade. <laughs> okay, then there is Watch Hill Shorefront, a modern residence of exceptional charm and distinction furnished, three and a half acres of water frontage with a garage on the property for $75,000. And this house is enormous. It's, it's a mansion. It looks like a hotel. It's so big. Okay, this next one is fascinating and it took me down a rabbit hole. So it's at Lenox, Massachusetts and it's Shadowbrook the summer home of the late Andrew Carnegie. 
This magnificent property of over 350 acres is offered for sale. Now, just looking at this picture, it is clear it is a magnificent estate. And so I had to go look it up to see if it still existed. And it has had a fascinating history, so I thought I could read to you from the Wikipedia about Shadowbrook. So it's located in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And this was a mansion, but it was destroyed by fire in 1956. And it is, it is now, if you've heard of Kerpalo, which is a yoga retreat center, that is now there where Shadowbrook used to be. That's where Kerpalo is. So perhaps I can read to you a little bit about this. It's, it's very interesting. I'll skip over the sad parts. Um, Nathaniel Hawthorne originated the name Shadowbrook in reference to a small stream that lies to the west and south of the mansion site. Samuel Gray Ward, in 1844, purchased land on the slopes of Bald Head and built a mansion near the site of what was to become Shadowbrook. Ward named his mansion Oak Brook. Stokes brought the property in 1892, along with additional land to the south and north, assembling an estate of 1,500 acres. The Oakwood building was demolished except for its east wing, and Stokes built his mansion on a ledge 100 yards west and 30 feet lower. The new structure, completed in 1893 at a cost of $500,000, was shaped like the letter L with its point aimed south and comprised two dominant styles involving English, Tudor, timbering, and stone. So ultimately, that's what became Shadowbrook. The mansion was sold in 1916 to Andrew Carnegie for He purchased what was regarded at the time to be the second largest private residence in the U.S. The estate was among the most prominent examples of the Gilded Age in the Berkshires, and he died there in 1919. And then it became a training center for Jesuit priests. But then there was a fire there, and and it was destroyed. And later it would become Kerpalo. So... Isn't that an interesting history? So this is reflecting the time after Andrew Carnegie's death that the estate was being sold. Perhaps you would like a place in the Adirondacks. How would that be? Upper St. Regis, blue skies, clear waters, cool breezes, pungent with pine. (laughs) That's a great headline. Pungent with pine. Three masters buildings containing ten masters bedrooms, five masters baths, three large living rooms, dining room, 20 by 40 open fireplaces in all of these rooms, also large fireplace on piazza, 11 servants' rooms, garage, two large boathouses, two launches, the camp is entirely new, and you can rent it. For $4,500.
And there's an article here. I'm, I'm really hesitating whether or not to read parts of it to you, but it is fascinating for me. It's an article about Henry Ford. And, you know, as time goes on, people's reputations kind of get whitewashed, right? We think of Henry Ford as this amazing inventor and he helped to modernize the automobile industry and but it turns out he also was a rabid anti-semitic and they really go to town about this in this article so i was trying to decide if i would read this article to you and i don't know that it's sleep podcast worthy but parts of it are very interesting so The first sentence says, Henry Ford was getting along all right with his anti-Jewish campaign until he said that the Civil War in America was started by the Jews, and that's going a little too far. And it's talking about the anti-Semitism in Europe. And now he's trying to bring that into American politics. This was was the, um, the part that I thought was interesting. But why is Ford crazy on this particular subject? Is it just ordinary eccentricity that brought this to pass? Or is he the victim of some unscrupulous wire puller? Or has he gone magazine mad and he's simply looking for circulation? Perhaps the answer is found in all three questions. Henry Ford, like many successful self-made men, is a megalomaniac which in more vulgar parlance means that he has an enlarged head. He is also intensely vain. I don't, I just thought that was so interesting. So it goes on to say why he got so angry, um, some bad press and business deals, and how he's trying to promote the Jewish conspiracy, which really speaks to what was happening in the culture about anti-Semitism then. Okay, I'm glad I don't own a Ford. I mean, I know that that's really old news, but, you know, I hold a grudge. Well, let's see what else I can find for you. Maybe something lighter and brighter. So now let's lighten it up a little bit and talk about some of the society functions. There's many pages of with the headline that says This Week in Society. And I thought I would skip to the ones that are taking place in Chicago, since that's where I grew up. Let's see if we can find any names that are recognizable. So far, I don't see any. So I'm going to do my best to pronounce these names for you, but... I promise you I will not get them right. (laughs) Shrove Tuesday evening in Chicago offered plenty of entertainment. Three benefits divided attention of society people, and each was well attended. So there was the Rex Ball. So the Rex Ball, which was given for the benefit of the Girl Scouts of Cook County, Mrs. Samuel T. Chase being the moving spirit. At the west end of the gold room, a dais with a canopy had been erected, and as the hour of 11.30 approached, the floor was cleared of dancers, 
and Miss Mary Rand and Miss Virginia Fitzhugh appeared as trumpeters, announcing that Rex himself, and then it says in parentheses, Paul Gardner, was approaching. The dukes who escorted him to his throne were Lester Armour, James C. Hutchins, Jr., J. Morse Eli, Robert Gardner, Howard Lynn, Newton Perry, James Ward Thorne, Roy McWilliams, and Richard Eli Danielson. None of the names we recognize, but I'm sure had we been in Tonied Society in Chicago in 1921, these would have been recognizable names. And they also can't help but wondering if when they say at the hour of 11.30, they mean a.m. or p.m. If this is the Rex Ball, I'm assuming it's p.m. And considering that I go to bed by 8 p.m., I'm like, that is so late. <laughs> so let's keep going. Okay, so all these people are in this pageant. Of course, Rex will wish his costume described, for he felt keenly the lack of interest his identity aroused compared with that of the queen. No one knew who either was to be, and there was much speculation as to who was, quote, the most beautiful woman in Chicago. The most noteworthy items in his regal attire were the black knee breeches, they were black satin, and red velvet mantle bordered with ermine. He wore a gold crown. Then appeared the queen, who removed her mask, disclosing Mrs. Marshall Field III. Of course it was her. And in her royal robes, she looked very regal. So if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that Marshall Fields and Company was a huge department store in Chicago that really was very high-end and they were very much a part of society. So she had the role of the most beautiful woman in Chicago. Over her gown of white lace hung a mantle of cloth of gold embroidered in rhinestones in a fleur-de-lis design. She wore some beautiful jewels, including a diamond tiara. The maids of honor who attended her in the procession wore white satin gowns with court trains of scarlet velvet and pearl coronets. They carried bouquets of roses all alike. The, quote, maids were Countess Bolognesi, Miss Mary Landon Baker, Mrs. Arthur Cable, Mrs. Loring Coleman, Miss Edith Cummings, Mrs. Charles Lobel, who, as Miss Bush of New Orleans, was three times queen of the Comus Ball, which precedes the Mardi Gras. Mrs. William E. Cloud, Jr., and Mrs. William H. Mitchell, II. Arthur Corey was the king's gesture and did some eccentric dances before the dais on which the royal pair were seated. Then general dancing was resumed while colored lights were played upon the dancers. Oh my goodness. Well, that was entertainment and society back then. You want to hear about one more? the ever-fascinating topic. The dresses worn at the ball were unusually beautiful. Mrs. Hoyt wore the blue and silver gown in which she had appeared at the concert an hour earlier. 
Mrs. John, okay, Winter Botham wore a chic little dress embroidered in silver or gray with a sash. Mrs. James C. Ames wore a flame-colored velvet. Mrs. John Root wore orange color. Miss Mabel Lynn wore a brown chiffon gown. Dancing together most of the evening were Miss Mary Landon Baker and Alistair McCormick, whose engagement everyone has been speculating a long time was announced a day or two later. Miss Baker, whose picture appeared recently in Town and Country, is the daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Alfred Landon Baker of Chicago and Lake Forest. Lake Forest is a very tonied suburb of Chicago. And her fiancé is the son of Mr. and Mrs. L. Hamilton McCormick. Thus, two of Chicago's old families are intermarrying. Mrs. Alfred Baker was a cornwith, which means much in Chicago. Mrs. Ernest Hamill and Mrs. Ambrose Kramer are her sisters. Alistair McCormick's paternal grandfather was Leander McCormick, the well-known family of Chicago. His mother, Mrs. Hamilton McCormick, though British-born, has won for herself the devotion of Chicago people to an unusual degree. Another son of the Hamilton McCormicks, Leander McCormick, married Miss Alice Cudahy. I wonder if those are the McCormicks for the McCormick Convention Center in McCormick Street. Probably so. Okay, so, and there's a lot more going on in society. And then I'm going to skip ahead to the next issue, which is all bundled together. They always usually give you about six months worth of issues of the magazine when they scan them. So we land ourselves back in the real estate section. So how about this? An absolute country-style residence in the fashionable town world of London, England. Nine Palace Green Kensington Palace to be sold. A rare opportunity occurs of securing one of the most beautiful detached modern mansions approached by carriage drive and enjoying absolute quietude. Many thousands of pounds have been judiciously expended on this fine property to ensure the maximum of perfection and comfort. The residence faces Kensington Palace and enjoys delightful views over the gardens beyond. The whole of the accommodation is comprised on three floors, the entrance floor being occupied by a magnificent suite of entertaining rooms leading from an exceedingly fine paneled reception hall. The bedroom accommodation is well-planned and suitable for a large family. There are several bath and dressing rooms on each floor. The domestic offices are of exceptional character, and the whole property can easily be managed with a small staff of servants. The lease is held for a term of over 80 years at a moderate ground rent. You could be next-door neighbors to Kensington Palace. How about this one? It, we're back in New York. We're back, I think this would be Westchester County in Rye, New York. 
a beautiful suburban residence called, quote, Long Meadow, and it has five acres, a home constructed and equipped with generous care, luxurious living room, 35 by 35 feet as per illustration, with adjoining conservatory, paneled dining room, library, reception room, and spacious hall, eight master's bedrooms with five master's baths, five maid's rooms and bath, brick combination stable and garage, containing chauffeur's quarters, five rooms and bath, also garden, oh my god, this is so big, also gardener's lodging, four rooms and bath, carefully developed grounds, mature specimen trees, rare shrubs, and extensive gardens, 40 minutes from New York, in a most exclusive environment. That's, that's huge. 35 by 35 feet. That, that's an enormous room. And eight master's bedrooms, five baths, and five maid's rooms in a bath. That's a lot. Okay, and here's one more. This is in Connecticut. A country estate of distinction for sale in Stamford. Situated along the state road between the two forks of a Y, one leading to Bedford, the other to New Canaan. 70 acres with lake covering about three acres. Beautiful rolling country with oak, maple, and birch trees. Residence contains large entrance hall, a library, 30 by 40 feet. Living room, dining room, all paneled in chestnut. 12 bedrooms, open fireplaces, ample servants living and sleeping quarters, cement cellar, hot air furnace, and hot water heater. On the lake, which has a maximum depth of 18 feet, is a two-story bungalow with large fireplaces and two bedrooms with washroom. The gardener's lodge contains kitchen and living room, dining room, and three bedrooms. Wow, that gardener is living a good life. The chauffeur's house is two stories with a kitchen, sitting room, dining room, and three bedrooms. There's an ice house, a barn with four stalls, and rooms for two motors, complete outbuildings, etc. Express train service from Stamford to New York. Wow. You know, it's interesting. The, the pictures show the beauty of the residence and the grounds and also the boathouse. Just exquisite. I love reading. I don't know why I love reading these listings so much. It, it just, I guess, a time gone by, right? And then you know what? I'm going to end with this little section, which is kennels and livestock. But I just find it interesting because it tells you what breed of dogs people were really interested in then. So Irish Terriers, Fox Terriers, Pekingese, a lot of Pekingese, and a lot of Terriers. And so my friends, we will wrap up this issue of Town and Country. And perhaps we'll return to it another time. But for now, perhaps you are having sweet dreams. 
you're off into some lovely astral travel. Or if you're still awake and you'd like more companionship, there are many more episodes in the archive. So thank you so much. I look forward to connecting again soon. I love you and sweet dreams. <laughs>